video vampires with Jessica and Mickey. Yo, it's been a while. A long while, yeah. No, which is weird because, like, usually I'm a movie person. Like, new movies I see all the time. I was in the theater all the time, and then the pandemic happened, and I've like just really haven't gone back. And there's stuff I want to see, so um, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm just going to talk about what I've been watching, which is a lot of series still. And so there's stuff coming out that is really great. So. I'll talk about it, but the new season of Atlanta is finally out. I think it's on episode four. It's the best fucking show on TV. I've said it before. It's so good and so creative and so creepy. And it like has all these different elements. Like what's that guy's name? Roy Anderson, who did um, the Swedish, um, uh, a pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on existence to his like terror series. Uh, it has like pieces of that. Like there's so many different moving parts that I'm like, oh my God, it, it pulls from so many different places and it creates this like really great flow on TV. And it's just so fucking good. I like can't love it more than I do now. I really think it's the best show. It's the best show in years. And then it's funny because um, there's people compare it to Dave, which I think is really funny because they're not comparable at all. And Dave yeah, is like not Dave. great. Yeah. The second season of Dave fucking sucks. I actually hate, I think I hate little Dicky. I just like hate him. I'm sorry, but I hate him. Um, and I love Atlanta. <laughs> well, yeah, we haven't, we haven't started watching the new season, but we've been playing catch up on Atlanta and it's, it really is just such a, a fucking great show. It's like, cause I am, I, I it's not like I didn't want to watch it. It's just that like, I, there's so many things on fucking TV that like or whatever that are available that I get anxiety like choosing my so my wife started watching Atlanta and I would like sit in, I would just kind of be in the room and then I would kind of like catch stuff and be like oh my god like I, first off I love everybody on that fucking show um but uh yeah it is it's fucking fantastic and like I don't know I there was an episode I think it's in the first season where like there he's on a talk show um, yeah, Paperboy's on a talk show, and like they're playing commercials. They're playing the episode, the entire episode, as if you're watching this channel, this like BET yes. type channel. And like they were so the channels, the commercials were so good that my my wife Kate was like, "Is that wait what?" And I was like, "You get that that's completely fake. Like that's a totally and yeah I love that, okay." You know, like, the Dodge commercial yeah. is real. I live in Atlanta. That is a real thing. Like I, you know, like living here, everything kind of makes sense. Cause like I try to explain it. They're like, Oh, like what's, what's different about it. I'm like, it has like the same, what's kind of like no rules wild West, but it's different because it's Southern. It's like a weird Southern Gothic type mm -hmm. of thing. And somehow the show portrays it exactly how it is, but like, it's obviously a little more dramatic. I don't know. It's it, it's very strange, but watching it, I'm like, this is real. That Dodge commercial is a real thing. There's always accidents and they're always Dodge challengers. It's like the most insane thing. Um, but anyway, I'm obsessed with it. I love it. Every episode is like magic. I cannot wait for it to come on. I watch it on Hulu, so it gets there on Friday. Um, and so I just think it's like probably the most brilliant thing I've watched in a long time and everyone should watch it. Mm -hmm. Um, some other stuff that I've been watching, which I want to talk about, I'm going to, this is going to be a spoiler. So if you haven't finished killing Eve, I'm going to spoil it for you. Killing Eve is on his fourth season and it's about, um, this spy who started off in the office played by Sandra Oh, who is brilliant. Um, and then she becomes obsessed with this assassin called Villanelle who is the most perfect sociopath serial killer assassin written. She's mm. sexy and she's psychotic. They're, it's really great. But so now we're at the end and they've been playing this cat and mouse. And so at the end comes and, and here's where the spoiler comes in. Cause I want to talk about it. Cause Wussy club is, is an Atlanta thing. Um, they do um, movies at the Plaza, mm -hmm. um, but they also have a podcast, the Wussy podcast, Wussy movie podcast. And uh, they posted about, the ending to killing Eve. And so the ending is, you know, finally um, the spy and the assassin, they like give in to this like sexy thing between them. Mm -hmm. And then um, once they give in, one of them dies. Hmm. And so everyone was freaking out about it. Everyone's like, this is queer erasure, which I like, I cannot in their head. I'm like, what? just because she's queer 
doesn't mean she doesn't deserve to die. Right. She's an assassin. She is a sociopath. She is a psychopath. She's a murderer. And uh, and she tortures people in the show, like, and gets off on it. Uh, she kills without any feeling at all. Like, there's no reason why you should have sympathy for her character dying. Um, and so I was, like, all mad about it. Because I was like, there's no, you want them to have a happy ending? Like, those people do not get happy endings. That's the point of the ending. And that's why it's so good is that Eve has this death wish the entire series and she just survives no matter what, even though she doesn't actually want to. And I think like the more poetic thing was her being killed eventually by Villanelle, but that just didn't happen. And so people are like, eh, all upset about it. I loved it. I'll, I'll just say that. Um, some other things, I'm not sure if you heard of Severance. I haven't watched it. We don't have Apple TV, so um, it's I've... awesome. Apple TV is pretty good. Like, there's lots of interesting things on there. Foundation is really interesting. Um, Ted Lasso, mm -hmm. Invasion was very. It was interesting. It was like an alien invasion show. Um, Severance is fucking great. I don't even know. So it's basically like you're in this like, you know, Black Mirror episode. It's like, um, we're in we're in now, but kind of the future. And this company has figured out a way to sever your brain. So when you go to work, you do not remember it. You basically sever. So there's two parts of you. There's the you. And then there's the people who go to work. So they go to work and they're completely blank. And then when they leave work, they shut off. So basically you're enslaving a part of your own brain just to do work so you don't have to remember it later mm -hmm. and so basically it's about these people and adam scott's in it it's really great ben Siller directs it it's very mm -hmm. dark and and sad and and creepy and um beautiful um it's it's filmed in this building i think in new jersey and it's very much like 1950s architecture so it's very trippy uh christopher walken's in it too like and oh, these wow. people pay play these two versions of themselves that are very different but the same um and so it's basically about that but it's it's really fucking cool hmm. um i would say definitely watch it um i've also been watching moon Knight, which is interesting i love oscar isaac i haven't caught the last episode but we watched the first two i think some people are disappointed but i really like it but i like you know egyptian mythology so like i don't know i don't know what people's like complaints about it are but i heard like the next four or five episodes are like uh really dark which you know how can you get more dark than you know an yeah. assassin having multiple personality disorder and then also being possessed by this egyptian god and waking up constantly in the middle of things happening but i don't know i, I really like i like oscar isaac i hope like people kind of yeah. pick it up but i dig it i mean i i i like moon knight just I, we haven't caught up not for lack of you know, interest, but because it's just timing, but like, um, I, I dig it. I mean, I really like Oscar Isaac too. And I also like that, like, I don't know. I'm, I like that if it doesn't, all the Marvel stuff that I do like, um, is when they kind of like, they kind of play around with their, their usual conventions. Like I didn't want to see Hawkeye because to me, it just looked like up to the same old shit, you know? Um, it's, Hawkeye's better than it appears, but I okay. felt the same. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I like Moon Knight. I mean, I, and I think a lot of, I mean, I, I, I have a somewhat knowledge of the character, but I'm more interested in um, Oscar Isaac. Yeah, I think he's, I'm glad that he's a part of. I'm glad that when they bring in these big names into like the Marvel universe, it's like, oh, they're, they're, it's, they're doing cool shit. You know, it's not like when DC does it where I'm like, I know. yeah, you know, I mean, I, I'll get into DC in a second, or I can get into that. That's a whole other thing, but like. I've been less impressed with DC's output and Marvel. Like, like I said, like when they, they sign somebody on, I'm like, that's fucking exciting. That's really cool. And Oscar Isaac, this is the second go around for Marvel for him technically. Um, but, uh, and I'm glad that it's panning out better than his first run did. I know. Well, yeah. Him as apocalypse. Are you mm -hmm. talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is, which is terrible. It really was. But also I, I heard Mobius was terrible. I like am a little yeah. morbidly curious. I really want to see how bad it is, but I've heard from people who even like bad movies are like, no, this is just, this is just bad. It's I was really just talking bad. about that the other day. I would, I would watch that movie. Cause we were talking a friend of mine 
uh, our friend Diego, who was on the podcast, we were talking, and he was just like, I don't even have any interest in seeing that if it's streaming for free somewhere. And I was like, I would, but I would want to skip all of Jared Leto. So it's like, I want to <laughs> see Matt Smith, because I heard Matt Smith, I heard what I've heard is Matt Smith is great in it, um, and Jared Harris is always great. I'd want to skip all of that. And then, um, so I'd want to skip like all the scenes. Like if, if I could just watch an edit where it's just like Matt Smith or Jared Harris talking to somebody and you never see the other person and you know, it's, you know, or at the end when Michael Keaton said like he's talking to somebody and you're like, wait, who's he talking to? And it turns out, you know, I just, I, I, Jared Leto is, is, uh, and so I just can't, I, I, he drives me up the fucking wall. He's always has, um, I gave him a little, like, I was like, yeah, he's good in Dallas Buyers Club, but you know whatever like I, yeah. I find him to be so awful i don't like the way they did this movie like i um in the sense that like i read the comic book as a kid i remember morbius and i remember him as a villain and i was like you need to make him a villain first you need to set him up as like a character that's like you need to make you need to make a marvel horror film and mm -hmm. then and make it horror film and then you know uh from that you can spring off and be like okay now we're gonna make him a hero or an anti-hero and let's do that but to try to be like no we're gonna make him a superhero right off the bat it's like that's a fucking terrible idea and it's funny because i remember watching this 10 15 years ago and it's been coming back on the internet because of uh of um this movie but morbius was originally planned for the blade franchise like if yeah. you there, there's a there's an alternate ending to blade where um you know he he, he kills Stephen Dorff and then he him and uh Debuche right like climb up there outside on the rooftop and it's like sunlight this sunlight and oh he's, yeah and, you know off in the corner you see a guy and it's supposed to be Morbius and it's like that to me was really like that would have been the direction I would have wanted them to go was like set him up as a villain make him a cool villain so that you're kind of into him too and then do your own little like or or if you're not going to go with that brilliant idea that I just gave you know sony um just don't cast jared leto who is well, like okay speaking of leto it's interesting because i've been watching we crashed ah mm -hmm. and so i it, it i worked at a we work building and this mm -hmm. is one of the reasons why i'm watching it and i, I kind of do all love wa watching these shows i watched theranos too um mm -hmm. with amanda seyfried yeah yeah Seyfried. i know you're talking about <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and so I do enjoy it a little bit um, in a way of like these people just had they were delusional they were straight up delusional and they convinced other people that they had and it, it's interesting to like see too in, in a very dramatic way like how this all happened and how they like, like all, all these people just swindled people out of their money and like it's just amazing to me but we crashed as one of them Jared Leto was really good in it but I can't he I feel like he's might be a psychopath in real life. And so this is why he's good at playing certain roles like this. Cause the guy is like almost intolerable. And he's, he's also like the way he plays them. It's just like really frustrating. And Anne Hathaway is the same way. Like, I think they play these like two people who are just insane and then just happen to have people believe them. And they're just like, yeah, this is what you can build when you have two insane people feeding off each other and a lot of money. Um, and then it all comes crashing down because it's not their money and they're not making anything on their return. But right. they are repugnant and annoying. But like I haven't stopped being able to watch it either, you know. So it is pretty good. But I did work in a WeWork building in L.A. at the Fine Arts Building, which is it was nice to be honest. Yeah. It was like very cringy, though. There was like. I always thought it was funny because it was like a Biggie quote on the wall. And I was like, Biggie in L.A.? Like, that's really weird. But anyway, yeah. um, you know, and, yeah. and just like they had a keg at all times. But like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not... changed out very often. And like, it was just. I weird. don't like I've never liked Jared Leto since my so-called life. Like he was the bane of my existence. Well, then. Oh, that was Fires Club fight club oh my favorite part of fight club is when he gets the shit kicked out of me. in fact <laughs> my favorite part of fight club was when i was watching it and thinking ah this is what happened to jordan catalano after my so-called life like he fucking you know he leaves the fucking town and then he goes and gets involved in fight club and gets the shit kicked out of him. and i thought i was like this is oh, this is uh, my his just desserts blade runner yes I I love the new Blade Runner. I love that he is the worst part of that movie, especially when you know, <laughs> especially when you know who was supposed to play that part, and you're like, what? Like Wait, there who isn't was a... supposed to play it. Oh, uh, before he got sick and died, it was supposed to be David Bowie. 
And it's oh, like, so it's like in another, in an alternate universe that we live in, there are, there is a version of that movie with David Bowie playing it. And it is a perfect movie. Um, as it stands, I cannot fucking stand that guy at all. And I just, anytime he opens his mouth or tweets or anything like that, I just, it is no, he needs somebody to tell him to shut up. Like he needs somebody, he needs to hire somebody to be like, do not fucking say that. Like, do not fucking tweet that. Do not fucking say, like, don't, nobody cares about the fucking retreat you went on. And then you came back and COVID was suddenly a thing. And what a different world. Shut the fuck up. Like nobody, <laughs> the thing about Jared Leto is, and I haven't said this about anybody in the world. Nobody needs Jared Leto. Like there, we do not <laughs> live in a world that needs Jared Leto. And Jared Leto feels the opposite. I don't need his music. I don't need his, I just can't stand him. Like, that's, um, what, that's how I feel about Gal Gadot, but um, anyway, yeah. you got you got your Jared and I got my gal. <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah. Well, what, what have you, that's all, like, I've just been watching, I've, I've just been powering series, so what I, have you been watching? It's funny, because I realized I haven't watched, I, I thought I hadn't watched a lot, and then as we were talking, I started like, oh yeah. Um, I The only TV show I've watched, aside from Atlanta, and um, was Murderville, which was on Netflix. Um, if you haven't watched it, Mm-mm. Um, I've watched it multiple times at this point. There are like four or five episodes, um, and they're 20, 25 minutes, and I've watched them multiple times because like a few, few of them multiple times. But the premise is Will Arnett is a detective um, named Terry Seattle, and every and, <laughs> oh, I and, heard about it. <laughs> right, and he's solving a case. He's got every episode's a new case, but he has a celebrity. His partner is a celebrity guest every episode, and the celebrity guest is playing themselves, and they don't have the script. So they're just improvising. They're just riffing off of whatever. And at the end of the episode, it's kind of like dinner, uh, murder mystery, dinner party, whatever, you know. And at the end of the episode, the celebrity guest has to be like, I think it was this person. And then like, you know, and then they find out they're right or wrong. And then they, they, they kind of do a flashback of all the clues that were planted for the, to you know, that to lead to the, the successful killer and everything like that. The Conan O'Brien episode, which is the first episode, I was my like i was crying laughing because conan o'brien will Arnett are like our good friends and everything like that and the whole what's great about the show is that is a lot of the guests are trying to they're trying to do their job they're trying to keep a, they're trying to play it straight and will arnett's throwing them curveballs you know and and trying to get them to break character you know while he's staying in character but the great thing about the conan o'brien episode is that will arnett and just because i think it's because because they know each other so well will arnett is breaking he can't stop laughing half the time and then there's like there's finally a moment that happens that david wayne has a camp as a role as like a as one of the suspects he's a magician that entire scene i was bawling laughing because will arnett is just being so over the top with his reactions and finally conan o'brien finally breaks character and just starts laughing and he's like nobody ever reacts to magic like that like and it's so <laughs> funny and david wayne is great and everything and then i would honestly say the only episode i didn't there's two episodes that i didn't think were great but the one with kamel nanjiani is great um because he's you know he refuses to play along in certain things which is great um and then um yeah, you you should watch it. They're really the episodes are really quick. I I fucking I thought it was hilarious. Um, it's that's what we were you know talking about for a while because like we just burned through the entire show pretty much in like one or two nights. Um, and then uh, movie wise, um, I'll start with the movies that I've seen. You know, so at home or you know I volunteer at the American Cinematheque now, so I just saw Quadrophenia, um, the Who movie or the, you know, the, the movie based on the Who album. And it was amazing. And I think everybody should see that movie. Uh, it was fucking fantastic. Um, I loved it. You don't even have to be a fan of the Who to really enjoy it. It's not like Tommy where it's like, oh, you are like bombarded with the Who. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just based off of the album. And then um, I uh, I also saw, re- rewatched because it was volunteering. And I was like, I'll fucking sit down and rewatch this movie on the big screen. Uh, Ridley Scott's Legend, which I, uh, I'm a big fan of my favorites i was talking yeah. about it because there's obviously there's two versions um yep. of the movie with different soundtracks one of them um being tangerine yeah. dream yeah um but i have the blu-ray disc with both of them mm-hmm. well it's funny cause... Uh, but it's beautiful it's it's like one of my favorite movies especially when i was a kid like tim curry yeah um amazing you know, it's funny because like the Tangerine Dream score, that's been a point of contention with a lot of people. And it's like, yeah. that's the, the version that I grew up with Leg- on Legend as, on TV as a kid in the 80s and into the 90s was um, somebody had taken the European cut, 
which has more scenes, but has a Jerry Goldsmith score. And they took the, you know, it was for television. So they have to edit the movies down for like, you know, runtime and for commercial breaks. But I think when they edited down this theatrical cut, they was like, oh shit, we're missing time. So they at reinserted some scenes from the European cut, but they still kept the Tangerine Dream score in. So you got this like, so I've never been able to find a version of that movie that exists except for like, off, you know, the tape that I had off as a kid, because um, there's more scenes to it. There, there are really great scenes. They're really enriching scenes, but they also have that great Tangerine Dream score. The Tangerine Dream score, me, I remember as a kid when I saw that movie, I was like, I feel like I'm watching a fairy tale that I'm not supposed to be watching because there was like a, it had a weird yeah. edge to it, like a weird darkness to it. And I remember in film school, you know, a friend of mine and I we were talking, and he had never seen Legend. And I was like, oh my god, we got to fucking watch Legend. So we got the Netflix. You know, we got it off of Netflix. This is back when Netflix would send you discs and everything. And I was really fucking hyping this movie up because he had never he'd known he was familiar with ridley scott but he had never seen legend and i was like you're gonna fucking love this movie and the version we put on was the jerry goldsmith version and we were both uh, he's looking at me and i'm like i swear to god this is not the movie i grew up with we've got to we got to find the the tangerine dream score because that gives that movie a whole new feel to yeah. it that I, I prefer and i you know so i and that was the version of course that i saw you know on the big screen it was wonderful it's great tim curry's awesome tom cruise in his metal you know, mini skirt, there's gold mini skirt running around. It's fucking awesome. Like the whole movie's just fucking great. I love it. Um, I, it's fantastic. And then um, I saw a movie, an old British movie called I Start Counting with Jenny Agater, which is really great. I recommend it to a lot of people. Um, it's about a girl who's, she's been, she was adopted. She's in love with her adopted brother, her older adopted brother. And at the same time, there's a rash of uh, murders in her, small town and um she starts to wonder if it's her older brother but she still loves him which is creepy in itself um <laughs> and uh it's it's but it's a really great like weird coming of age movie that i i i really um kind of fell in love with i saw um and this is weird because i saw this i watched this a few weeks ago i watched a youtube version of this movie because you really can't find this movie anywhere else and it was a taping of it was a ripped copy of a usa up all night taping um but it was a movie called vampire on bikini beach and it was hosted by gilbert gottfried r.i.p as of yeah and i was like and so i just watched that so when and i was like god i remember i i i really loved gilbert gottfried so and part of it is because the usa's up all night so when he passed away a few days ago i was like pretty bummed but um i watched that vampire on bikini beach which is as awesomely bad as the title um sounds i a friend of mine uh from we were talking about earlier um kind of convinced me to re to watch the remake of 13 ghosts which i yes did. with matt lillard who's my, i love matthew lillard i, I truly love matthew love lillard I, I i was like this is the <laughs> the house and haunted hill re, the house and haunted hill remake has no business being as good as it does i mean everything on paper on that house and haunted hill remake i'm like I hate like the, the style, the music, all this stuff, but I, I, I watched it with you for the first time and I loved it. I was like, this is great. And I will admit that part of the reason why it was so great was because of this, what the fuck? I never saw this coming. Chris Kattan performance where I was like, what? Like he, like, he makes you feel like, oh, this fucking house is bad news. Right. And I, I really dug it. Um, that was one of the, I, I can honestly say that house haunted Hill remake. One of the, the biggest strengths of that movie is, is, fucking chris Catan, which is weird and i feel like they were trying to take that same formula and apply it to another william castle remake which 13 ghosts and it, yeah. this one was just like oh i mean i love matthew lillard but even i don't know it was just it was fucking bad like i was like what is tony shalhoub doing in this movie what is like what is going on like why is everybody why is anybody in this movie it's so i mean and my buddy's like oh what you're gonna crap on shan elizabeth too and i'm like i have actually loved shan elizabeth i think she's fantastic um i don't think she's meryl streep but I enjoy her work. Um, I liked her in the Night of the Demons remake, which, you know, again. Yeah, me I'm... too. Yeah. And so, uh, but 13 Ghosts was just no good. I was just so like, I don't know. I was, I mean, I was, I, I let me put it this way. It was really bad. I was annoyed that I was watching it, but I was also having fun being so frustrated, being like, why is this happening? Why are all these people so stupid? Why are we doing this? You know, like, why is any of this going on in this movie? um the, you know and there's certain moments in the movie that you you i think the writer was like oh man and then the crowd's gonna feel like this and it's gonna be really cool and satisfying and it's like yeah but you did nothing you did no work to get me there 
Um, so I saw that. And then um, I saw uh, an old, an 80, 1980 film called The Boogeyman, which is pretty good. Um, and then I rewatched, my wife was watching the game and the rewatching the game in the other room, the David Fincher movie. Oh, and it's interesting. My, yeah. Oh, it's his face, isn't it? Michael Douglas. Yeah. It's my favorite, uh, that and Zodiac are my two favorite Fincher films, but I didn't sit down and rewatch it because I feel like I did it recently, but her watching that inspired me to watch another Ridley Scott movie called Black Rain, which I've seen multiple times. It's got Michael Douglas in it. It's, um, it's basically To Live and Die in L.A., if To Live and Die in L.A. took place in Japan and Michael Douglas was the cop, but he's like, a, he's a corrupt cop who's like, who ends up trying to do the right thing, like, but he's like, he's he's like taking on the Yakuza in, in Japan and it's fucking rad and it's Ridley Scott and there's a scene with Andy Garcia in a parking garage and I'm like, what the fuck? It, like, the, they, they play it so sincerely in the movie, like, everything that happens is so, like, straight-faced, you know, that I was just like, this movie is just so fucking absurd and awesome and I love it. Um, so I rewatched that. Um, but then as far as, and then my wife and I saw, they did, they really re-released the Godfather in the theaters. Oh yeah. She had never seen the Godfather in the theater. What? Oh, okay. She, I was, seen not, it. I was no, she like, had seen it. Kate. She just never saw it in the yeah. theater. So we, uh, we went and saw that and it's just like, you know, you watch it and you're like, yeah, this is a fucking great movie. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. Um, and then I, um, I saw everything everywhere all at once, which, uh, heard, is right now my favorite movie of this year. Uh, yeah, I heard it's great. Yeah, uh, hands down. Um, it's it's definitely my favorite movie this year. I keep hearing great things about it. I, uh, it's only playing in Atlanta proper, so I have to travel a little bit to go see it, but I definitely want to. It's like one of those on my list, like that and The Northman. So The Northman comes out this yeah. Friday, so I'm like really excited to see those both. Yeah, it's, I just it's do a uh, double view. I think I think you should because I mean everything everywhere at once manages to be surreal and ridiculous but also really heartfelt and sincere and i really liked that also i mean i love michelle Yeoh like a lot um i was also a big fan of the fact that um i believe his name, he pronounced his name kei huai kwan he played short round in temple of doom and data in oh yeah uh, he's plays her husband and it was the first time he's been on camera in like over 20 years and he's fucking great um <gasps> it was, that seems so it's, cool it, it is wonderful. It's a wonderful movie. And then I also saw The Batman, which um, – and I'll, I know you haven't seen it, so I'm going to be very spoiler-free. Okay. Um, my first time I saw it, I was like, oh, man, there's three different movies in there, and one of them is amazing. And then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know what? It's actually – it's it's not the best Batman movie, but it is the best Batman comic book on screen. Like, Interesting. I, I realized that the three hour runtime, which is still too long, that movie, there's a point in that movie where I was like, the movie should end right here and it would be, it would be fucking great, but it doesn't. And then I realized that what this, what this, how this movie was paced is like a comic book. You are reading, you're basically watching issues of a comic book, like for three hours and it's fucking great. Like the Batman score that Michael Giacchino does is not a great it's it's not it's never going to replace Danny Elfman's Batman score, yeah. but it's always going to be it's going to be it's like what I was watching. I was like, this is how I met like when I'm reading a Batman comic book. This is how I hear it in my head. Like, this is the score that I hear. Like, it's very moody. I loved Robert Pattinson's Batman. Loved his Batman. Couldn't fucking stand his Bruce Wayne. I thought his oh. Bruce Wayne, his Bruce Wayne reminded me of a kid who is upset because he just found out he had to work a double at Hot Topic. Like, <laughs> um. That being said, the more I've I've I've, re I've thought about the movie, the more I've really, really, really enjoyed it, and I want to watch it again. Um, but like I said, don't look at it, don't go into it watching, expecting a Batman movie, but definitely go into it expecting to be like a um, a Batman comic book. And in fact, my problems with the movie um, is that like the the last 20, 25 minutes of the movie is like, it, in my head was like Warner Brothers was like, no, 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 we need a, we need a big Batman moment. We need a big moment for Batman. You know, we need to have like that Batman moment. And it's like, I actually preferred it when it was just, when it wasn't that, when it was just Batman, like kind of being a detective, like you see him walking into the crime scene with commissioner or Jim Gordon, who's played by Jeffrey Wright, <laughs> who's amazing. And it's like, yeah, this is, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, when you read a Batman comic book, this is what you, this is what you see, you know? It's like, there's a few, there's a few action sequences, but they're not, the movie is not 
leaning on them as much as they do in other Batman movies where it's like, oh, we have to have this big fight scene. We have to have this with that. It's like it feels a lot more stripped down. And I really dug that. At first, I was kind of like, what is Zoe Kravitz doing in this movie? She's amazing. And I love her. And I think she's fantastic. But why is Catwoman in this movie? And then I reread after I watched this movie, I reread I was... The Long Halloween. Yeah. And I was, I was like, say, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's weird things. It only borrows two or three things from The Long Halloween. But it's still the best long Halloween adaptation I've. I've and it, I, like I said, well, it, I, I heard Paul Dano was great. I mean, I love is. him, so I really and even Colin Farrell. So I'm like really curious, but it does seem long, and that's why I'm like, I don't know. I might need it's, like a intermission, you know, because <laughs> it doesn't. Here's the thing: is that it doesn't feel long until the like until the two hour forty minute mark. <laughs> like you know, you're really like because it it does move really well and it moves really fast and you're really into it. But then there's a point in that movie and I, and you have to see it to understand where I'm coming from. But like there's a point in that movie where I go, fuck! If we just stopped the movie right, if we just rolled credits right fucking now, this would be a fucking amazing movie. But it's the, there's a tacked on twenty five minute sequence that i'm like i didn't need this like i know that people think that they need they, they want to see batman doing this this and this i don't need it the only other thing that i hated uh, i didn't like about the movie and I, I stand by that is there's a scene where batman and I'm, i'll spoil this because it, it, it's not really a spoiler he like he's being chased he jumps off a building and he does the fucking you know like there's those youtube videos of people like gliding in the air like they have like they're, they're like they have like those kind of squirrel you know like they're yeah yeah, like they're kind of like they're not parachutes. They're like they're just like they kind of like, you know what I'm talking about, right? They're body flying or their body, and they have oh, like oh yeah, weird, yeah, like, like base jumpers and they, they yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. He does that, and I had a huge problem with that. I was like, you know what? Must we try to strive <laughs> it for reality as much as possible? I want to see the fucking cape. I want to see him gliding in the air with a cape. I don't need to see like oh no, this is how he would really do it if he was if you know if it was real. It's like I don't fucking care if it was real or not. Like I am so tired of this this need to be like. Why do we have to push Batman as far into the real world as possible? It's like, can we have a little bit of like comic bookiness where like he's like, you know, he's, you know, we, like the video games where he's just like where you can like you can run with Batman, you can jump, and then you can just glide through the fucking air up <laughs> on the cape. It's like that's what I want, um, and I don't need to fucking see this realistic take on on Batman. So that's my only that was my biggest uh, gripe aside from the fact that the last twenty minutes just didn't weren't were not necessary at all um but every that being said i i thought robert patson's batman was fantastic like i really did i was like he doesn't it's not ridiculous like when Trevor christian bale puts on the mask you're like oh my god you know like when he's like yelp barking stuff or like he's got the gravelly voice yeah robert Pattinson somehow nails i think him and keaton both nail like you don't have to go too much too far you just have to just drop the register of your voice a little bit and show no emotion and boom we're you know it's great Um, i mean i like him as an actor i mean obviously people give a lot of shit um because of twilight but also like what do you want him to do you know like no it doesn't mean he's a bad actor so i i was looking forward to seeing it you should one thing yeah it's it's working and i know that it's it's a hike for you to see it you know i mean like it's if you get an opportunity to see it on the big screen it's great if not i mean like i I was tempted to just wait until, you know, it, it airs on HBO next week. But I was like, I kind of liked the idea of like, no, if I'm going to watch a three hour Batman movie, you're going to, I'm going to be forced. You're going to have to strap me to the seat and make me watch it and not be like, oh, I'm just going to check my phone and everything like that. Well, so, that's, like, I, that's interesting because yeah. I saw Dune in the theater and I didn't like it as much because I, maybe it was just the theater I went to. I was, maybe I'm just a fucking snob, but like the sound wasn't good. The picture mm-hmm. was kind of, I was like. I can't, mm-hmm. I just can't get into it. And it, yeah. I even watched it on HBO and I was like, oh yeah, it's it's better. And then I watched it on a plane ride. And I think, cause you're forced, like there's nothing yeah. else to do. I'm like, I just have to hyper-focus on the screen in front of me. I have this like four hour flight, like this will take a lot of time. And it wasn't until I was able to like watch it like that and really dissect it that I loved it. Which uh, maybe I do with all of uh, Villeneuve's uh, work you know, anyway but it's funny because like um you know I've, I've made my feelings about the new dune which i liked very clear because uh and just recently david lynch came out oh. and said yeah that he was he's willing but that's to the revisit. bullshit i don't know I'm, that makes I'm, me I'm, mad I'm, i am a hundred percent here's what i said you are when, yeah of course when my what my wife told me i was like as long as he doesn't take anything out i i mean I don't want him to take out the Toto soundtrack. I don't want him to take out any of the scenes. I want him to add 
and that's it. That's all I want. I want them to add scenes to the movie and leave it as because I I love the David Lynch Dune. Um, I think it was great. I also think it's funny that he was like because he he notoriously hates this movie because yeah. he didn't have uh, final uh, cut and everything. And I get it. And it wasn't something he was a hundred percent passionate about. And then when he did it and it failed um that that's a tough thing whenever you you do something kind of like that you're not 100 percent into and then it doesn't do well you just you feel but do you, you don't have know. that thing like well i'm proud of it you know you don't even have that so um i i get it I and um something new though like honestly like why why go back oh he's got something new he's got something new coming out yeah but like um, there's no need to go back to dune dude there's just not I just really, and I, I just, I don't know why it pisses me off so much. It would. Be I don't like know either because any director yeah. going back and being like, you know what, I'm just gonna remake oh. this movie that I made before, or like add to it, or like whatever. I don't know. I want to be like, please, no, Ridley Scott can do movie. 20 versions of Blade Runner, but we can't have one extra version of Dune or another version of Dune that like. There's only what two versions, three versions, two versions of Blade. Runner. There's three versions of Blade Runner. There's the the theatrical cut. There's the director's cut, and then there's the final cut. And it's like, oh, oh yeah, okay, I've seen them, but still, yeah. like. I don't know. Maybe I just like for some reason I'm just like I don't know. Find something else that inspires you, but I don't know why it makes me so angry. I don't either. But I'm, 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 I, when I heard that, I was like, I could be. I, I like I said, as long as it isn't. Look, the most important thing is you don't fucking take out the Toto score because it's fucking great. Like <laughs> the Toto score is awesome. Um, in fact, when Hans Zimmer won for Dune, I was like. Where's Toto's Oscar? Um, <laughs> <You're> stupid. <laughs> uh, um, actually, I and I didn't even I like I don't even want to get into that whole or fucking debacle of the Oscars. I just don't care. I, it's been so back and forth, and everybody's have such strong opinions about who was to blame and what to whatever. And it's like, I, first off, let's not talk about the Oscar. Like, what so whatever stupid. happened between Will Smith and Chris Rock ruined the integrity of the Oscars. The Oscars ruined their integrity a long time ago. Yeah, y'all been a, giving fucking Polanski Oscars. They yeah, and they've been like he's and, a and, pedophile. People like, right, and it's not a moral code there clearly. Right, and also like what? So you gave Parasite the best Oscar, which was deserved, and you feel like that's giving you you know please. The Oscars have sucked for a long time, and nothing that Will Smith or Chris Rock could have done has made it better or worse. Um. Also, though, I will say that I don't think Will's clearly Will Smith has not seen Demon Knight because he felt like he needed to stand up for Jada Pinkett Smith. And I'm like, that woman can take care of herself. I've seen Demon Knight. I know that. Um, uh, anyway. Yeah, I know. She could have slapped Chris Rock's ass, too. I mean, but yeah. anyway, you know, yeah. some, I mean, I don't know what so I, I blame Americans. I think they're just so up their own ass right now. And everyone has to just talk about what their opinion is and then breathe it into existence like. Yeah. It's just insane. He got banned from the I mean, I get it. You slapped someone else on live TV, but like Jim Carrey and Jim Carrey had something to say, but like you forced yourself on a woman on 19-year-old Alicia Silverstone. Like no one there is innocent. You don't get to say what's you yeah. know, like I don't know. I and I haven't watched it in years. Like I paid attention yeah. to who won, but I'm just like this is just like a fucking jerk off fest for these rich celebrities that I don't yeah, care I about. And it's I was, that like people look at that because it gets a lot of funding when you win an award, but it's like, fuck them, fuck those yeah. awards. I can honestly say that aside anything. from aside from Parasite, nothing that's won Best Picture. I felt like yeah, that was the best picture of the year. Parasite was the only time I was like, yeah, I actually a hundred percent totally agree with that. So um, yeah, I didn't watch it either. I was in the control room at work, like, and the direct everybody else was watching it, you know, because. You know, it's LA and the film business, and we're all, you know, everybody's excited to see what happens. And I just heard people go, Whoa, that didn't look fake. And then, like, that's when I saw it, and I was like, Ugh, that's what's <laughs> happening now. Like, and then, of course, it became like the big deal of the fucking century. And it's like, I feel like there's bigger. I can't believe that Michael Bay was like, Michael Bay, someone interviewed him, they asked him about it, and he's like, I think there's bigger problems going on. And I was like, You know what? This is the one time Michael Bay and I are on the same exact page. Um, yeah. So, Fuck the Oscars, um, but uh, let's talk about the movie we watched because I have a lot to say about that. Yeah, actually, so I, it was my birthday pick, um, or at least I'm saying it is because we picked it weeks ago <laughs> and we mm. finally recorded it. But um, so there's a few movies that I've always wanted to do and always wanted to watch. I've, I've we I, did we do it? We must have April Fool's Day. And yeah, we did it. No, on your that was yeah, your birthday. Yeah, and then yeah. also let's scare Jessica to death, which is the movie we've done because those are the two that I've always like. April Fool's Day is my birthday, and let's scare Jessica to death because my name is Jessica. Yeah, yeah. And so, 
This movie obviously was a bit annoying because they whisper her name constantly, which is also my name. So it's very creepy for me. I think any Jessica out there who sees this movie will be creeped out. Um, But yeah, do you want to give a quick synopsis of this film, this 1971 Um, film that we watched? This woman named Jessica, her husband, she's just gotten out of a uh, mental hospital. She had a breakdown in New York City. Her husband and their friend um, go to this like small town, isolated town in Connecticut that you can only get there via ferry. And when they get to the house that they're that they now they've owned, they see there's like kind of like a um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A squatter, I guess. Yeah. Um, and she's this uh, woman named Emily. And then as the story prog- and they they invite her to stay with her. It's kind of like a weird hippie. Like they're they, you get the vibe. They're like they're they're hippies, but the locals are these old people who are just, they want nothing to do with these people at all. Um, they're not into them at all. And, um, you know, uh, there's more to Emily than their, than their peers. And also there's a story going around town that like a woman who lived in that house, like a family in the house, there's this woman who she drowned in the, the, the water outside the lake outside. And now she's back. Like they, there's a story that she's back as a, some, something of a vampire that kind of roams around the town. Um, and then, you know, Jessica is seeing things and hearing things, but she's not sure if she's really seeing them or hearing them because of her previous mental breakdown. She doesn't know if she's having another one. Um, and so that is pretty much the movie. Um, and I know that seems like I'm, I'm, I'm diminishing it, but it's, it's actually a really very effective and very creepy um, movie. So uh, it's, yeah, it's super creepy. I think so. I, I really liked it. And I think also I like these type of movies that have a really low budget and there's not a lot of gore to go along with them, but they are very creepy yeah. And so I like that it doesn't need it to be a scary movie. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of things in here that, like, I think is like an allegory for other things, you know, like female hysteria, the death of um, hippies, you know, because it's what, 1971. So yeah. you're, you're going from the 60s into the 70s. And so there's like very much like they're driving an old hearse that had like, you know, the words like love and peace on it, um, painted on it. And by the end of the movie that had like rubbed off somehow, you know. Yeah. Um, it's very, and plus like the squatters in there, but the squatter can't be trusted. This ain't free love anymore, man. Like there's consequences mm-hmm. to these actions that you guys have. Um, and so also the feeling that like, you know, something's wrong in your heart and people around you are like, no, you're crazy. And you're like, mm-hmm. you know, like, am I fucking crazy? Or is this really happening? Like, I think this is happening. Um, and also Connecticut, Connecticut's fucking creepy. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's very cool in those, in those ways. I mean, um, it's, it's sad, uh, too. Like I feel bad for Jessica, obviously. Um, I, uh, I watched this last night at like one o'clock in the morning and I hadn't felt this type of anxiety watching a movie in a long time. And then I thought about it. I was like, why did this movie hit me the way it did first off the synth score which is one of oh. the first horror films to really do that in it's like what 71 is fantastic it really it it got under my skin big time um that being said i realized that i so i grew up before i lived in before i went to high school in boston i grew up in in south jersey and i went from being right outside of philly we moved around a bunch i moved from outside of philly to kind of like maybe still about 20 minutes away, 30 minutes away, but in a very rural area of New Jersey. And I realized that when I was watching this movie, that a lot of things that were happening to her are things that I was genuinely afraid of when I lived in this giant old house. Um, And I was like, Mm -hmm. you know, afraid that like, you know, I wouldn't be able to trust my family or um, there's a scene that I don't know why, because there's very little that actually happens visually, but there's a scene where Jessica is being chased she goes into she she goes into the bedroom. She boards up. She locks. You know she she barricades the door. And she's just sitting in the bedroom. And she's hearing voices. And she's like hearing like this voice taunting her. Um, and I was like that was a legit for some other reason I was like that was something I was scared of too. Like I was always afraid of being chased in my own house and not being and never feeling like even if I was safe, not feeling safe. 
Um, that part is funny to me because I live in an old house and like I've lived in a lot of old houses, especially in the Northeast. There's a lot of mm-hmm. like 18, late 1800 architecture, even like uh, a town I grew up in for a little while. East Bridgewater was established in the late 1700s. So like there's lots of old, old houses and those doors never fucking lock. So when she's fumbling with the lock and she still can't yeah. get it, I was like, that is real because I can never get my fucking doors to lock, let alone stay closed. They always open and I'm like, fuck, like that's going to happen to me. I'm going to be trying to lock myself in the room and I can't get the door to latch. Oh, uh, which I, I thought was funny. I think what scares me about that scene too is that like, who you know who's chasing or i mean i guess we're gonna have to be a little bit spoilery here but she's being chased by emily who does turn out to be like a weird kind of fangless vampire but when she's being chased by her emily's not fucking running she's just Mm -hmm. slowly and you know so you get the franticness of this woman jessica running and this person this this thing that's chasing her is just taking its sweetest fucking time because it's like i'm gonna get you at some, no matter how fast you go, I'm gonna get there. And it's like, it's it's not in the same way that like a Michael Myers does it or a Jason does it. It's something even creepier. It's more like it follows in the sense of just that like that very de- careful, deliberate like, you know, I'm I'm not gonna expend any energy because um, you're doing that for me. You know, um, that there's something really scary to me about that. There's also. Like- Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, there's, like, some really weird kind of cringy scenes, but they're, like, very creepy. And so the woman who plays Emily, I thought was really good because um, she has not a lot of lines, but her pacing is really good. And it's very slithery, kind of, like, snake-like. And there's a scene where she's up in the attic and and Jessica's, like, figuring out, like, there's there's something going on here. She's looking at an old picture and she's looking at her. And then Emily goes up and just, like, is touching her face like so yeah. weird and she's just like rubbing her hands around it and she's like wow you're so hot and like i'm yeah, like there, like stop there, like you know there's a homo there, yeah there's definitely like a uh and i was yeah, actually debating a lesbian, last night. There, a lesbian undertone. undertone which i really liked um uh but there's yeah because like following that scene there she's like she convinced jessica to come out with her to the water and she's like putting lotion oh, on her back i hate it and, and at one point jessica's just like okay okay that's enough that's enough and there's just something about that like anxiety of like someone's touching me and i don't want them to be touching me but like it really um it oh man it really like a lot of the anxiety scenes really got me like yes. her showing when we go into jessica's anxiety one of the things i love about this movie though is and, and it it works if you think of it in the definition in this definition, but if folk horror is more or less the old or the past invading on the modern time, you know, and like creeping back up, if that's the definition of folk horror, then this is definitely a fucking folk horror film. Like the idea that there's this story in this town, this this legend of this woman who died she drowned in her wedding dress and now she's she's come back and she's kind of like people think she's a vampire, like um that to me was also something that like when i was a kid you know growing up reading scary stories to tell in the dark which basically collected which is a collection of like you know folklore um it had that vibe to me as well you know where i was like very much like remembering being a kid reading that in my bed and then looking out the window afraid that i was going to see somebody outside my window in the middle of nowhere you know like um weird shit like that so this in a weird way this movie i feel like it's a very effective folk horror film i also it really preyed on all the things that like freaked me out as a kid well there's Um, things in it too that i feel like i I feel like it wasn't popular when it came out and then through time it gained it's kind of um it 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 gained its notoriety and so now when i watch it and i i really like that i really like when i can watch older films that i haven't seen before and then i can see what i've watched current and see Mm -hmm. how they've pulled from it like the end yeah. scene in the boat is Mike Flanagan stole that. Like it's it's directly from his new that new vampire series where he pulled a lot from like Salem's Lot, but you could tell like um, that he he had an influence from it. Um, well, Friday Thirteenth, you know, yeah, like even you... um, it was very Lynchian. Some parts of it, like, yeah. and I, I'll bring that up because uh, David Lynch we talked about a little bit earlier, but he I. I heard it's re-released actually, but he had the series and it was on the internet. It was like early 2000s where he went and interviewed like middle America, like old folk. And for uh-huh. some reason, they were just normal questions and they were just talking, but it was so creepy. And it was very much like that. Like they roll up and there's just these old men and she's just talking to them and they're just like slow, 
looking, talking, and it was just so unsettling. And then there's like a fish island shot, and then it goes back. And that to me is like really, you know, it's a, uh, it's really creepy and it makes me, you know, like jump a little bit because you're like, this is how they're viewing them and there's like something wrong, but it's completely normal. Everything's completely normal. It's it's really brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the my fear as a kid growing up in, you know, New, the New Jersey, the tri-state area and then, you know, New England is that everything there is really old. Yes. You know, like my my aunt and uncle. Um, where they live in New Jersey, which also was like 15 minutes from 15 minutes from where I lived, which was also kind of in a rural area. Like at one point, it was just like a dark road, and then there was like an old church with like an with a, like a small cemetery, and then you go down another dirt road, and then you just you're just completely in the woods, and then you know you you go down this long driveway to their house. You know, it's like, but like every I just remember being as a kid being so unsettled by something that was that that has been around for so long i know that sounds it's a hard thing to describe it's kind of like when people talk about um stendhal syndrome when like when you're when you're surrounded by work of art you get like you feel woozy or or your i felt that way about things that were really old you know Mm -hmm. like um and you know god tri-state area new england all of that is very old you know even the cities like boston and philadelphia like there's a marked difference between like los angeles and those areas where it's like um i mean it's just it's 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 that again it's that sense of that feeling of the old coming back and and you know the the local people are all they're old people who like have this weird resentment towards these young people showing up and you find out later on why it's because they've all been like they're all you know victims of of this vampire that's been in town but it's like um and it's all in daytime too like a lot of this movie a lot of the more creepier parts of this movie in fact the creepiest part of this entire fucking movie for me is a shot in the daytime where she's on a boat Mm -hmm. and she looks over and they're all just standing on the on the on right on the outskirts of the water just watching her and it's just it's a simple image but it's so effective and it's like, it's broad daylight, you know, it's not dark. And that to me is really scary. Um, it, again, it, this movie, it, it has to do with the, like my, my anxiety had to come from like, like the feeling of like, everything is really old, like Connecticut, everything there is really old, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, and I don't know why that, that gets under my skin as much, you know, um, but it does. And See, that's I, yeah, I feel the opposite. I love all that shit. That's probably why I live in an old ass house in an old neighborhood. But it's also a bizarre world in this. It's fascinating to north. me. I'm but, fascinated yeah. by it, but it's just there's, it makes you uneasy. It makes me uneasy, and I think again, I mean, as a kid who was afraid of everything, um, you know, and just like it's like driving to my aunt and uncle's house, and we'd always drive by this church that's just sitting there, and it's not. It was very small, and like I said, a small cemetery and i was like god and i knew as a kid that those those graves were old you know like there's people buried there from like 1700s the 1800s you know and that to me is really like a really weird feeling you know like um it's just it's kind of like uh the only other way i can describe it is kind of the opposite spectrum is like it's why 2001 freaks me out it's like when they're going to you know it's like where it's like space is so big and vast and there's so many things that we don't like our 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 scope of like what what does big look like to you and it's like we think of like you know whatever whereas like jupiter is like you know what i mean like is this this giant fucking planet you know what i mean like our 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 sense of of scale goes out the window once we are confronted with space just like how it is with, with something old it's like this is so this is older to me like old was like 20 years 30 years as a kid you know maybe 10 years and then you're looking at something that's hundreds you know 100 years old 200 years old it's why i've never gone to egypt even though i want to it's like i think i would have a breakdown standing outside the pyramids being like oh my god these things are so old and like you know it's like you're you're it's i think the fear comes from your mind just not being able to wrap itself around like yeah like what it is i know i'm the opposite i was like i'm gonna touch i'm definitely the person that's gonna get cursed in the movie because i'm like i went to the catacombs i'm like i'm gonna touch every bone and i was like boop 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 because i was like i'll never be able to touch something that old with my own hands again you know what i mean so i touch everything right and i'll be that one that's like you know i'm like oh why am i sick <laughs> why do i have this yeah. ancient disease and i'm like because i'm touching like sarcophagus things in museums i'm like there's cameras i'm like i'll just one finger will be fine <laughs> 
you know, it's weird because you mentioned that this was your birthday movie, and I, on my birthday, which was, um, you know, in March, I, you know, I came home from work, and my wife and I, I, I've been wanting to rewatch this for a long time. My wife and I rewatched, uh, I, my wife saw for the first time, and I rewatched Dracula's Daughter, which was, um, I'm a big fan of that Universal movie because it was this weird sequel, um, that uh, came out in the, you know, in the 40s, and and you have this actress who was under co- contract with Universal Studios and she didn't really want to play. She's like, she thought she was playing something beneath her, you know, she's mm-hmm. playing Dracula's daughter who like shows up at, you know, and sees her father, you know, Dracula's dead. So it takes place right after the first movie and he's dead. And she's like, Oh, I get to be a normal person now. This isn't this great. And then she realizes that she can't cause she's not a normal person. She's a vampire and she can't resist whatever. And there's a yeah. lot of weird and it was very, you know, it was very interesting because like that movie has been reapprised as like having like a lot of interesting lesbian undertones as well. Just like let's scare Jessica to death, you know, like that weird, like kind of like sensuality, you know, with, yeah. it, it, with female vampires and like. It's, um, it's interesting because I some things that, you know, and, and there are other movies that are fangless, you know, fangless yeah. vampires. But I kind of liked that instead of like the teeth mark, these people had slits on them. And that's what made them scary is that to what she could tell is like they were being yeah. cut repeatedly and she was drinking the blood off the cuts, which I thought it was also yeah. kind of sexual and um, seductive in a way. You know, yeah. um, well, it's it's you know, because then we, we think of the 90s and the 2000s, you know, like I remember watching an X Files episode where there's like, you know, with the, the vampire episode of X Files where it's like it that's how they they, they yeah. get off, you know, and it's just like it's really, uh, yeah, yeah, um, even even when you know Emily tries to go and, and cut Hirsch, it's when she's like, <laughs> and this scene I really like because she's like, you know, with her husband and they're making out, and then she sees her out of the corner of the eye and she's like, she's not there. It's not real. She's not there. <laughs> and, like, yeah. and then all of a sudden the backing comes in of all the townsfolk and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So a few other things about this movie that I thought were interesting is one, um, it started off as a, originally it started off as like a satirical script called it drinks hippie blood. <laughs> and the director, John Hancock, he come when he was hired, he's like, I'm only going to do this if I can make this something different. And he did. And he made this more of like a serious moody. He was very inspired by like the turn of the screw and like a lot of these like methodical, slow paced idea of like um, uh, suggesting that maybe the main character is not complete. Their faculties are like almost like an unreliable narrator where like you don't know if like what they're seeing is really happening or if it's part of their like mental state. Um, so I really, I'm glad they made that change. Um, John Hancock, who directed this, the only other thing that he's directed that I've gone, oh yeah, I recognize that, is this fucking movie called Prancer from the 80s. It's a reindeer Christmas movie. Um, <laughs> I was that like, that I, sounds familiar, and I was like, is it really? Yeah. I used to see the trailer for it in the beginning of my Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure video, and it's like, that's, I mean, like, he never ended up, he never ended up doing horror again. Um, which is funny, because a lot of people involved in horror look at this movie as one of like one of the scariest movies and i i i can't disagree i actually was very scared watching this uh but stephen king loves this movie um a lot of people have come back and reappraise it and a weird bit of trivia that i kind of i don't know it's completely coincidental but i just thought it was interesting is that zora lampert who plays jessica the only other movie I've seen her in, she was a, you know, she she was in Splendor in the Grass with Warren Beatty. She had like a Jackie O kind of face, you know, too. She did. I'm she didn't do more. But her face was like, God, her face is really fucking familiar. Where have I seen her before? And then I realized I'd seen her in The Exorcist 3. She oh. plays George Scott's wife. Oh, uh, wait. Did, didn't we do Exorcist 3 or did we do Exorcist 2? We did Exorcist 3. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, she does look familiar, but maybe I was just feeling the Jackie O thing. So I was like, oh, so that she's in it? Yeah, she's in it, and then um, Barton Heyman, who plays her husband, I was like, God damn, he's really fucking familiar too. And I, I didn't look this up. I waited because I was like, I know I'm gonna get, I'm gonna figure this out in a second. And I did. He was the doc. He was one of Reagan's doctors in the original Exorcist. So I was like, There's a weird Exorcist okay. connection that's completely coincidental. But um, now that you say it, I see it. Yeah, because I mean, I was like, God damn, that fucking guy. So I've seen both these people enough times that I should know who they are. And then I, I, I uh, her, I had to look up because I was like, I, I just I couldn't put it together because she doesn't play a big part in the Exorcist Three. She's maybe got three mo- scenes in that movie, but he's got you know because he's the one who's like, um, 
I think he's in the room when she like grabs the guy's junk and like brings him down to the ground, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's definitely in the exorcist, the original exorcist. Cause he's one of the doctors who's like, Oh yeah. He'll, he's one of the doctors who's like talking to her about like talking to uh, Chris McNeil or Ellen Bursa. And he's like, do you have any drugs in your house? And he's like, he's asking all these questions, like another form of gaslighting where she's like, there's something seriously wrong with my daughter, her whole bed. And they're like, yeah, it's nothing wrong with your daughter's bed. It's her brain. And it's like, well, is it, you know, like, um, <laughs> So more gaslighting from that guy, but uh, I I really I've thoroughly enjoyed watching uh, this movie because, like I said, it's one of the I don't get freaked out often, and this movie had me like I was very anxious, like I wanted it to end just because I was like, oh my god, where's this going? Like I just I just need to get there because I'm like I don't know if I can handle where we're going, and it's not a very fast paced. It's only a, a, an hour and what thirty minutes at tops. Yeah, but it doesn't it's it, it, it yeah it is a perfectly paced movie. Um, that you were right earlier, it doesn't rely on all the cheap gimmicks that you would need to with an exploitation movie to make it successful. There's not a lot of, there's, there's, it's a very sexy movie. There's not a lot of sex in it, if any, you know? Um, But the lead actress who plays Emily, just, she has a way about her where she's just really good at like her body language. It's really uh, seductive. Yeah, it's really great. It was really, it's really, it makes you feel uneasy afterwards. And so I'm, I really liked it. I'm glad we watched it. Yeah, I, I'm glad you picked that too. That was a good one. All right, folks, that's it. Goodbye. All right, bye bye. <laughs> I'm calling on all the spirits of everyone who's ever died in this house. Paramount Pictures presents Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Jessica, Jessica, who are you? Why have you been following me? I'm in your butt. You want to die, Go on. You want to die. Let's scare Jessica to death. The screen has captured cold, deadly horror before. But this time it's all turned loose in your direction. Jessica to Ben. Rated GP.